Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's brought to us by Walnut Grill, American Eatery and Bars. The Mark Madden Show. Tim Ben's in for Mark being joined by Dayon Kovacevic from DKPittsburghSports.com. Dayon, Ben's knee is fine. His arm is fine. So why aren't they throwing anything beyond four yards from the line of scrimmage? Well, his knee isn't fine. He said, he said so. What he was debunking there was the, the incorrect, tangibly incorrect report uh, from CBS Sports that the Steelers had grave, and that was the quote, grave concerns about the status of Ben's knee. They don't. Uh, they wouldn't be putting him onto the field if they had grave concerns. And Randy Feetner wouldn't have gone public last week in urging Ben to practice more often if they had grave concerns, if you think about it. But his knee isn't okay. He said so. He says, he, you know, he's 38. You know, he, he feels... Uh, arthritis in it. We saw after the one play in Buffalo where he got up and he was flexing it repeatedly after he went down knee first. Uh, it, it's not okay. Why aren't they throwing downfield is a way harder question, Tim Benz. Come on, man. You can start me off with an easy one or something. I have no idea. I oh, I do. Can I, can I give you a theory and you tell me if you believe it or not? Well, go ahead. I have theories, but go ahead. Uh, my biggest theory is that Ben Roethlisberger protects the offensive line more than the line protects Ben Roethlisberger. That's that's one of them. That's one of them. And and he does look like he steps back and he thinks to himself in a drop back situation, and those are obviously rare, where he goes, uh, nah, <laughs> just gonna get rid of this thing, and then it goes up at a lousy time in the receiver's route, so it either gets overthrown or underthrown. Uh, it is possible, even though Tomlin uh, flatly denied it this week. Might have been to your question, actually, now as I think about it. It was. Yeah, that, that he, you know, that there might be something to, to Ben you know, rushing the ball or, or, or moving the ball out as it relates to the offensive line. And his response was that he feels that those guys are – uh, doing a great job in pass protection. To me, that's always been a little bit of an illusion because Ben is number one in the NFL still through 14 weeks uh, in uh, release time at 2.37 seconds. There's not, there, that's not an accident, Tim. It's not. He's moving the ball out for a reason. Yeah, and I think that reason is is because he knows that his offensive line can't hold up like it used to. He'd be the last guy to throw them under the bus. He hates doing that for anybody, specifically offensive linemen. But I think he knows, Dayon, that he can't elude the rush, fend off the rush, and sustain being hit yep. in the same ways that he used to. Yeah, I, but I, I think there's more to it than that, too. Not that I disagree with you, but when you ask for you know, what I think, the other theory that I have is that the route designs are not at all imaginative. Uh, the route designs are very, very staid. They stay in a, uh, a, a tight window, a tight box. There's a little bit too much overlap in them. Um, I, I, these receivers have the physical ability 
and, and I believe the mental awareness to be running routes that are way more efficient, that have them way more open than what they have been. To date, the only receiver that Ben can count on down deep isn't even a receiver. It's been Eric Ebron. You can look at the numbers to back that up. And I'm saying count on him referring to when he actually catches the ball. Dayon, it was obvious that Mike Tomlin wanted to get away from any conversation about Juju Smith-Schuster dancing on the logo of opposing teams. He said he's going to keep doing it today when asked by reporters. I'm not one that thinks it really influences the outcome of games. I think the Steelers lost to the Bills because the Bills are better and certainly were on that night. But I don't know why he feels the need to do it. How does it help the Steelers at all? Has it ever been clarified that he is or isn't being paid to do it? I don't know that it's been clarified, but I, it, if you get more views you know and you get here? more viewers, you get more opportunities to become an influencer or whatever the hell he yeah, is. I, I don't, I don't know that for certain in one direction or the other. But um, you know, if that's something that he's arranged with some kind of sponsor or something where he tramples or dances on or whatever he wants to term it, somebody's logo, uh, then that's that's kind of a separate matter. Look, Mike Tomlin has a history of not really getting involved in how his players uh, react uh, to uh, whether it's touchdown celebrations or enjoying themselves in general, so long as they bring it when they're supposed to bring it uh, for kickoffs. Um, To date, that's worked in the positive sense for Tomlin more than it has in the negative sense. Witness how there's only been one head coach who ever got anything out of Antonio Brown, for example. Um, and all he's worried about is winning that week's football game. Um, that said, you know, Juju is who he is, man. You know, I mean, that's basically what he echoed himself today. Um, he's not going to change that. His priorities are what they are. He does show up and play hard uh, in football games. I don't think anybody would deny that. Uh, and that's what matters to him. That's I'm sorry. That's what matters to the head coach. That's what matters to his teammates. And, 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 and that's probably what should matter uh, to most people. But, but, you know, dude, <laughs> just know, you know. Yeah, you don't have to do it. Time. Plus, you know, like this is yeah. this is getting awfully close to blue cleats and sliding down the goalpost territory to me. Well, and it, and it, it achieves no end. Right. What that's do? what I'm saying. You get nothing out of it except for you personally. The no. Pittsburgh Steelers benefit zero by Juju Smith-Schuster dancing on the other team's logo, even if it's just the Buffalo Bills long snapper that gets pissed off about it. Yeah, which is when he chooses to do those things, by the way, and mm-hmm. I've watched it myself. He's out there whenever it's the long snapper, the kicker, and the punter on the field, You know, as opposed to when the whole team is out there and they could go you know, making real trouble for him. Um, this is... This probably ranks like about one billionth on their list of problems. I'm sure you'd agree, uh, but at the same time, it's it, it just doesn't achieve anything. It doesn't do anything. What are you doing? You know, what's the purpose of this? Last thing on them, Dan, because I wanted to bounce one or two other things off you. But last thing on uh, on the Steelers is kind of the grand scheme of where they are. It's very unlikely that the eggs will break the right way for them to get the number one seed in the AFC at this point. So, how important, if at all? Is there a difference between two, three, and four for any of the division winners in the AFC? And that includes oh, almost not at all. Okay, and that, that includes Matt. Let me yeah. let me extend it then. That includes, in my uh, mind anyway, matchups of who you might face in the wild card. Because I see minimal difference between the Titans, Colts, Browns, 
and Ravens, especially considering the Steelers will have seen all of those teams by the time they get a chance to see them again. Yeah, they will. Uh, I would say that the one team, whether you're the Chiefs or the Steelers or anybody or the Bills or anybody who ends up being a division winner or near the top of the pack that you do not want to face uh, moving forward from the bottom is Baltimore. Uh, the Steelers did beat the Ravens twice, uh, once down at their place uh, when the Ravens weren't completely devastated by injuries. But uh, I don't think that's a team the way they're starting, at least a little bit offensively, to come together and get that running game going. Uh, Calais Campbell is now back on the field. I think you could see their defense getting back to respectability. They're not that far removed from being 14 and two, Tim. You know, they don't have, they don't have everything that they had last year, but I don't think that's a team you'd want to run into. So no, there isn't that much of a difference. No, I've drawn that Ravens analogy before day on to what we saw here in Pittsburgh in 05, where they were 15 and one, dipped to 11 and five, mm-hmm. and then went to the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know if that's what I'm looking at right now with the Ravens, but, I know it kind of smells the same, <laughs> you know, especially if they get hot late. They got through some injuries and COVID stuff. Boy, that sounds awfully familiar, doesn't it? That's what I'm talking about. That 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 you know that whole episode, whether Lamar was getting the cramp or whether he had to go take a dump or whatever it was, but for him to come back out and for them to have that running game established, he moves out of the pocket and fires the ball downfield to Marquise Brown. I mean, it's just that's the stuff that happens for teams that are getting on a roll in December. Dan Kovacevic with us. He is brought to us by Walnut Grill with DKPittsburghSports.com. Of course, Dan, do you know who David Burke is, and do you envy his position as the guy in charge of selling the Pittsburgh Pirates, the team's executive <laughs> president? selling the tickets. Don't get people excited. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, okay. not selling the franchise, literally, but selling the franchise to consumers. I don't know how you do that, especially on a day where like some of the – Headlines surrounding the Pirates of such a concept concept exists include like trading Josh Bell and Jamison Tyon to the Yankees. Well, that 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 first of all, that thing is absurd. And there, there's there's nothing to that. The the second thing is as far as this uh, as far as this situation goes, selling tickets for the Pirates. I think in 2021, I don't think that's going to be that much of a challenge. A, they're not going to be at maximum capacity. Uh, we can all accept that. And B, Tim, people just want lives back to normal you know i think you're going to see people going to the ballpark just because they can you know what i'm saying oh i know what you're saying yeah because that'll be that'll be as much of a return to normalcy as possible as going to pnc park and seeing seven thousand people there (laughs) sitting at p well but okay but jokes aside sitting people are gonna go back to kennywood people are gonna go back to uh as much as they can to their normal lives once the vaccines are distributed and all that other stuff is, is declared safe uh, I think in 2021, his job's going to be pretty, you know, it, it's going to be fairly easy. Uh, I think beyond that, you know, it's it's a challenge. You know, the Pirates have to convince people that they're serious. And that's a hell of a thing for a sports franchise to have to do. But they do. Uh, they have to convince people that Ben Charrington and Travis Williams aren't their predecessors, that this isn't all just Bob Nutting puppeteering. Uh, I believe that these guys are their own men. I believe they are doing things the right way, but it's not going to show up on the field in Pittsburgh in 2021. It just isn't. Uh, you can't undo the damage that Neil Huntington and Kyle Stark did with a snap of a finger. Do you think it's Kumar Rocker or bust for them atop the draft? Because Jim Callis wrote yesterday that you know by the time – the draft rolls around, there might be that other pitcher from Vanderbilt or the kid from LSU that mm-hmm. might be more attractive. But 
Oh, no, he's he's become so coveted by Pirates fans, those that remain. He's a big guy, big personality, marketable. Yeah, um, you got to be careful, though, Tim, because when you know th- we heard a lot of this, you'll recall, with Pedro Alvarez. Oh, they'll never sign Pedro Alvarez because he's a Scott Boris guy. You watch, they'll cheap out. And it became, it got to the point where no one would have accepted anyone other than Pedro just on principle. Well, guess what? It turns out, and history will show this, and I know this from talking to people who were in there, there were a lot of the Pirates scouts who wanted Buster Posey instead. If the Pirates had drafted Buster Posey, this city would have exploded, would have set the stadium on fire, even though Posey very clearly would have been the superior player. So you got to be careful with attaching that sort of thing to, oh, they'll never do the right thing. Let's see how it plays out. Kumar Rocker pitched 17 innings for Vanderbilt in the calendar year 2020. He's still got something to show. Dayon, thanks. Appreciate it. We'll catch up on Channel 11 soon. All right, Tim. Take care. Dayon Kovacevic, DKPittsburghSports.com, brought to us by Walnut Grill. Uh, Before we get out of here, 